This episode of Wheel Nerds is dedicated to our friend Bruce Whedon, who was taken out of the world by a stupid 19-year-old in a car recently. Fantastic. Yeah, Bruce was riding on a two-lane road on his old gold wing. He had a thing for old gold wings. Eyewitness accounts indicate he went way over to the right shoulder to avoid it, and the shit heel in the car kept on coming and hit him to head on. Killed him instantly. Wow. Yeah, Bruce was kind of a mad scientist type of guy. He, uh, he was the kind of person who had built potato guns when he was bored. Um, he also actually was the only one I ever knew who found a use for the old Sika turbos. Well, what was that? Oh, it's his a counterweight to a trebuchet. That's pretty awesome. Yes, for which he can do the math pretty much in his head. Wow. And all the welding and everything else. So That is way cool. Bruce, Bruce left behind him a legacy of much happier people and a little weirder world. So he'll be, he'll be really missed. He will be missed. Welcome to another Wheel Nerds podcast. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 92. I'm Chuck. And I'm Paul. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And I'm Uh, you okay? Yes, I got ill for Alan and said our audio quality was not very good. You can tell if I talk like this. I said good night. Yes. Hello, listeners. I am not the podcast you need, but the podcast you deserve. Yes. We told Alan the problem was we were in Chuck's apartment. This is not an apartment. That's true. It's a townhouse. It's a mausoleum. Yes. It is your tomb. Batman. Oh, no! Would you like to have a Big Mac? Do you, do you want fries or not? Yes! Yes, I would. Wonderful. Welcome to Wiener. Hey, I'd like to supersize. Wait, come back! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Wheel Nerds. Hi, Alan. Our audio quality has improved somewhat because now we have something resembling a studio. Well, we've got blankets on the wall. Yeah, so that feels like home, doesn't it? Yeah, I feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. I'm comforted, oddly. I feel like this is more of an, a normal kind of show for us. Blankies. We have a guest. We have the blankies. Oh, oh, is the guest a guest who rode a motorcycle somewhere far? No. Oh, okay. Yes, it is. Excellent. All right. <laughs> it's a boilerplate wheel nerd show. Let's jump in. I'm going to phone this one in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't have to do shit. Hello. Welcome to show. Random motorcycle joke. Bad Ben impersonation. Too much laughing. Gratefully received. So we, uh, I got to ride with one of our friends, uh, unplanned. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our friend Heather uh, was on a big journey. She quit her crappy job that she hated. Oh, she quit it. I thought so, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, she's like, screw this she was, shit. She was doing a month trip, right? Yeah, it's like a month trip. Yeah. It was about three weeks in retrospect. Um, what happened? Well, it turns out there's a known problem with the BMW 800s. Known now or known beforehand? Well, known beforehand <laughs> by others. <laughs> but not by Heather. Uh-huh. Um, apparently they eat wheel bearings around uh, 300,000 miles. <laughs> so somewhere outside of Pocatello near Craters of the Moon, which is, you know, about four or five hours north of here. Mm-hmm. Um, her wheel bearing shit the bed. <laughs> so she gets a tow truck. She comes down. She goes to Claire's house, unloading the bike and putting it into Claire's garage. The screeching noises from the rear wheel were so loud, it scared Claire's son and he ran into the house. Oh, my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
So Claire loaned her his uh, small bike, and we got to all take a ride together. So that was pretty cool. Oh, that's pretty. Um, that's neat. Yeah, I saw pictures of that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for inviting me. Why? Well, you, you Thanks had... for inviting me. You know. You have failed me yet again. <laughs> now I shall talk to you like this all night long. God. But uh, uh, riding with Charlie was fun, and getting to see Charlie was fun. We haven't seen him in a while. He came up to rescue Heather. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him in two years. Yeah, it's been a bit, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was cool because he, he's a, a, an avid listener and, of course, contributor to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had several observations I wanted to run through because I thought they were germane. Okay. Number one, light bulbs function by creating resistance. Jumping a light bulb is causing what is referred to as a short, and yes, it will fry the hell out of fuses. He sent me this text from somewhere in the wilds of Utah as he was driving up here from... Two. Attaching your ratchet straps directly to expensive Ducati heated grips and cranking down on them will in fact mangle said grips. If you tighten it too much, it will also rotate your bars and their clamps to hilarious effect. Huh. Fortunately for Charlie and his Multistrada, <laughs> there was a rat bag Strom with a good toolkit handy. <laughs> Next to a Euro with Alga Flasher? Mm, actually, this was at the gas station that we oh, modified okay. his bars. He's we're riding, and he's like, "I can't see any. What, what is wrong?" <laughs> you know, in our defense, at least we didn't jam a penny into where the the. Um, that is true. The, that is true. Uh, we did not do goes. the penny. Yeah, it's good. Idea. We were thinking about that it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just didn't have one. <laughs> Spent them all on tacos. <laughs> Three, maybe some sealant would be smart when putting exhaust together. This was my aha moment from talking to Charlie. He says, so you're putting a muffler on something and you're not, like, slathering it in sealant? My reaction was, (laughs) (laughs) We also learned that busted wheel bearings go, when under power. Let me do that again. (laughs) Uh, Charlie further observed that Todd is very slow and does not like lean angle. What? Yeah. You were riding, and he noticed, he's like, wow, you're really slow, and you aren't at all close to dragging your pegs. That's you are, what he said to me. You are not. You Well, you know, it's like I said, since you've had Iris, you've been a lot more conservative in your riding than I've noticed. Yeah. But you're you're a better rider than you were, too. That's true. But you're you're still, you don't seem like you push yourself the way you did before. Yeah, that's that's probably that's, true. That's just how I... My reaction to him was, I don't feel like I'm pushing myself. He's like, you know you're really about an inch off the ground with your peg field in some of those corners. <laughs> I'm like, really? It doesn't feel like... And this is the this is the danger of riding infrequently and teaching a lot. Yeah, see? You break through barriers when you don't notice. See? Until someone's like, wow, uh, what the hell, dude? <laughs> Well, it's been a while since you and I have ridden together. Mm-hmm. Nah, I'm when still, you, you know, I, I don't go into any corner that I can't stop in the middle of very fast. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's too many sheep and things out there. Did Charlie a... keep up with you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because Charlie's a track rider. So Charlie's think... wickedly fast. Um, <laughs> no, that was never really an issue. Mm-hmm. So, um, did Claire go on the ride? Or was Claire it... went on the ride and he went for part of it and he had to go back home. Okay. Because the pictures I saw was just the mm-hmm. three of you guys. Yeah. Well, we originally had come back on I-80 and, um, then it turned out that my wife and daughter were still at grandma's house and were going to be for another two hours. I'm like, uh, so what if I take Charlie and Heather over Guardsman Pass instead? Okay. She said, okay. And apparently Guardsman Pass now, I'm happy to report, is technically paved. Okay. Yes. All the way through. It's technically paved all the way through. That's kind of a bummer. It is on a certain level. Guardsman Pass is a pass that goes into the top of Big Cottonwood. It's on an incredibly s- steep slope, and, mm-hmm. you know, generally speaking, once a year, the road will wash halfway out or 
out altogether, depending on how big the snow year is. It's I, kind of a cool intro to dirt. Yeah. Yeah, I I think they got sick of picking up parts of rental cars off of it <laughs> and uh, rebuilding the road uh, because it is the other. This is one of three ways to Park City from Salt yeah. Lake City. So why is it only technically paved? Uh, because it's a really shitty paving job. <laughs> it doesn't feel very paved when you're like, on it. Ugh. You're still standing on the pegs, just it's so crappy. <laughs> so still good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Charlie observed that the mailbox exhaust thing. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, now, yeah. It's probably due to the incoming Euro emissions and, you know, of course, our emissions restrictions. Because it's, it's catalytic converters need to heat up to work. Yeah. And when you have a big set of these catalytic converters, more than one of them in a system, it creates an incredible amount of heat. Apparently, this is also, he thinks, why you don't see a lot of exhaust under the seat anymore, like the Strom has now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's because you basically boil your ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that, that could be. I mean, California is getting – it's either – I want to say it's 14 or 15. They've got a new set of, of laws coming in. 14. 14. Mm-hmm. And, and Harley's like introducing fuel injection to mm. meet that. Well, Harley's had fuel injection for years. Um, but Lava. Harley's introducing water cooling. Water cooling, yeah. That. That's what – yeah. That's yeah, what Harley's had fuel injection for years because it's the only way to make an air-cooled engine remotely. Yeah. The water cooling certified. is what they're – yeah. yeah. is moving toward. Yeah. The, the final thing that I learned from Charlie is that handguard guards are a vital option on the Multistrat 1200. Okay. Well, he looked at just TourTech's handguards, uh, and they're tremendously expensive. Um so it turns out on the Multistrada, uh-huh. one of the really clever things that they've done is the handguards also have the turn signals on them. Yeah. And the right hand guard, in a bit of feat of cleverness from our friends at Ducati, also has the brake master cylinder mounted to it. On the handguard. On the handguard, which is made of, brace yourself, cheesy plastic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Yes. What? So in order to really? protect your investment in your bike, you need handguard guards. What? Charlie has handguard guards. Because you don't want to break your handguards, because that would cost you a lot of money. So you get handguard guards. This sounds like an arms race. It does, doesn't it? I mean, this is this is a marketing opportunity, the like of which has not been seen since the advent of the windshield windshield. <laughs> now, it's worth noting, by the way, that Touratech and some of the other high-end companies, their handguard guards are crazily expensive. And you know what that means you need? Handguard guard guards? You know it. <laughs> Available soon. This is reminding me of the movie The Big Hit. Mm. Did you ever see that with Mark Wahlberg? I don't think so. It's a kind of cheesy action hit movie, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. There's one part in there where he's like, I've got the Trace Buster. Well, Wolfie has a Trace Buster Buster. It's cool because I got the Trace Buster Buster Buster. Nice. But no, I have the Trace Buster 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 Buster. <laughs> so screw you, little man. Curses. Yeah. Foiled again. That's where this is going, clearly. There's going to be, like, giant trees of uh-huh. guards <laughs> sprouting yeah. off. But pretty soon, you won't be able to get your bike out of garage door because your hand guard, 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 And guards. windshield, windshield, windshield. And windshield, 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 windshield. Yeah. Won't fit through it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What if your engine guards are expensive? Oh. <laughs> You're going to have this stationary piece of art. <laughs> it's indestructible. <laughs> Blank. <laughs> What can it do? Well, it 
flips to either side and goes clank. Speaking of too much on a thing, mm-hmm. let me show you this picture. Too much of a thing on a thing. Go to our show notes, listeners. This is mm-hmm. the, the first picture. This is a picture of titled Buckhorns, a killer bike I found in Tenna. Oh my God. <laughs> So it's an old goal, and it's a Valkyrie, and it is covered with dead shit. Uh, looks a like lot of dead. I see deer, lots. I see elk, uh, Ooh. that might be caribou, uh, and all sorts of fur and skulls, and wow, that's, that's really something. This is the, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're looking for a bike with antlers on it. And and stuff. And also (laughs) antlers. And and antlers. And horns. Lots of antlers. And the skull. Some skulls. Antlers. Is that a bird's body? Uh, That might be. I And I like the seat. It's like a leopard print seat. Yeah, and it's a leopard print seat because, you know, I mean, hey, if you're gonna ride around with all these dead things on your bike, which are all sharp, incidentally, (laughs) this doesn't seem like a great idea to me. You'll you'll never forget that bike. Nope, you sure won't. All you right, know, you know what he's missing. What's that? Uh, making a pair of antlers be his his highway pegs. That would be insanely manly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. We got uh, a couple pictures to look at. Mm-hmm. All uh, right. And there's this. This, this is the second picture looking at our show notes. This is, oh no, <laughs> it's a Harley with a baby bike seat stuck on the luggage rack. Yep. Oh, I, I can't even look at this. I, this is, this is making my dad instincts hurt. The, the carpet underneath it is a nice touch. Yeah, I, I thought so too. Okay. I, 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 oh. So you saw my daughter was riding in the sidecar. Yeah. I've got her. Went down to cycle gear and mm-hmm, got her, her helmet, gloves. She was a little too small for any of the armor. Uh, that's a problem. So, but she wanted something to wear, so I got her a fox jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna put in a harness, a four point harness. Mm-hmm. Now I know this is something you were like, you're kind of iffy about. I'm hugely iffy about it. I still think a harness that keeps her in the sidecar is going to be less safe than a good set of armor. Okay. No. Okay. I'll agree with that. Mm. But. When we were talking about before, you were saying just like a lap belt mm-hmm. versus the the, the four-point. Now, well, the reality of the situation is keep in mind what that harness is doing. Mm-hmm. Unlike a car where it's keeping you inside a roll cage, the only reason you want a harness in a sidecar is an anti-squirm device for kids. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality of the situation, which for are- which a lap belt is equally good. Because, again, keeping her in the car, unless you've got a cage around her, is not actually necessarily safer. Yeah. That's the reality of the situation. I could see her squirming out of a lap belt pretty easy. Yeah, but I mean, quite honestly, she's five years old. Is she going to squirm out of a lap belt in motion? She might. Okay. I don't know. Right. I mean, she's, I'm paranoid, Dad. I, I, <laughs> I still, I still would spend the money on a set of armor she can use. Now, I'd like to get the armor if I can find it. I got to check the Kinder Rider. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I should check him out. Check him out. I think your money is better spent on a set of armor. But, like, the four-point harness was, like, 30 bucks. Yeah, but, I mean, what are you going to attach it to and what's it going to do for you? And the answer is, you you're going to attach it to sheet metal and it's not going to do a hell of a lot. It's not going to keep her as safe as the armor is. Well, they'll and, keep and her there. Yeah, but, but honestly, I, that's not the real worry. That's really going to hurt her. Well, I, there's a few things I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the hurting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got her in... I'm not... 
a whole, I mean, I was riding around with her over the weekend. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't super worried about her being hurt. Yeah. Because she had a helmet, she had gloves, Mm -hmm. some chest, some sort of torso armor would have been really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, My big worry is just her moving. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things that worries me, if I have to do a hard stop, Mm -hmm. even with the helmet on, she's got a dirt bike helmet. Yeah. She's going to bang her head on, on the lip. Okay. A lot belt's going to prevent that. You think? Yeah. She's not going to hurt. She's a teeny little thing. Her head's not going to reach it. And if she does, you got a helmet on. Who cares? Mm. I, you know, I'm paranoid. I'm thinking it'll just, she'll hit something up like mm-hmm. right, right perfect right, like into the eye port. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, and that scares me. I, you know, it, yeah, it, I understand. I know you're looking at me at that way. I could tell. I am looking at you in but, that way. I, I think I, you're, I think you're, this is like, this is like those parents who worry that their teenagers are butt chugging. Don't look that up at work, but it's a thing. When the reality of the situation is the thing you need to be worried about with your teenagers, not that they're going to these exotic weird parties, not that they're butt chugging beer. You need to be worried about they're getting drunk, they're driving, they're having sex unprotected. Those are the things that are really dangerous. And I think you're doing the same thing here. You're focusing on something that's really scary seeming, but that is frankly not likely. What is likely? Some shithead is going to come in front of you. You're going to jump as much speed as you possibly can. You're going to hit him at, you know, 15 miles an hour. Yeah. And she's going to fly out of the sidecar. If she's wearing armor, she's going to bounce. It's going to hurt like hell, but she's going to bounce. You know, I mean, that's what's really going to happen. Mm. That's the reality of the situation. Or more likely, based statistically speaking, you're going to go into a corner and you're going to go in too fast and you're not going to make the corner and you're going to go in the ditch. Again, a lap belt and a good set of armor is better. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I know it'll make her mother feel better mm-hmm. if she has the four point. Sure. Because, you know, I could see her when I was riding around and she's moving around a lot in the seat. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm not sold the lap belt would, would solve all that. Having mm-hmm. a seat not move all the time would probably solve a lot well, of yeah, that. Yeah, the first but... thing we need to do is take those dog bolts out so your seat actually seats in and she sits back into it. Because I'll tell you quite honestly, monkeys fall asleep and it's no big deal. Yeah. There's dead weight at that point. They're ballast. It happens. And if the seat is set up such that they're sitting back into it the way they're supposed to be, they ain't going anywhere. Mm. Yeah, for 30 bucks, I guess it's just, you know, peace of mind. Yeah. I, I it's a, it, Quite honestly, it's a blankie. Yeah. That's what it is. And if you want a blankie and it'll make you feel better, then that's probably worth it. But I wouldn't give up on the armor. No, I would like to get her full gear. I think the armor is tremendously more important. I, I, I do. I agree. Okay. And with that, I have to admit something to you. What's that? I haven't been wearing a jacket since I've been riding the Ural. Really? Yep. No, just like a shirt? Just a shirt. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, I mean, I don't wear pants all the time. I've been, I've been wearing, you know, the Carhartts. Uh huh. The boots, uh-huh. cities, yeah. the helmet, gloves, but I've been wearing a t-shirt or that baseball jersey you saw me. Wow. That's a little scary. <laughs> I mean, statistically speaking, the number two thing you need is the jacket. Helmet, jacket, gloves, boots, pants. Yeah, I don't know. It was like the first thing to, I was like, eh, I'm on a Ural. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, people see me now. Well, that's true. They do see you, but keep in mind that the two thirds of the accidents aren't people moving in front of you. It's you not negotiating a turn or, or hitting something. Yeah, that's the reality of the situation. And you're no better off on the Earl than you are on a car for that. 
Yeah, it's it's. I've been squinting it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't cut know. it out. <laughs> it's hey, yeah. Some of it. I honestly, even have the jacket in the sidecar. Oh my god! <laughs> you're the guy with the helmet on the back of the sport bike. You realize that, right? Yeah. That's the that's the world you're moving into now. Yeah, it is. I know. Yeah. Would it help you if you had a more hipstery jacket, like a like a wax cotton jacket, maybe? What about your hip jacket? That's that fits. It matches the sidecar. It's been sweaty lately. It's hot. Hot. Aww. You need to take that windshield off. Yeah. Get some air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one thing you notice real fast on the Euros. The minute you're stopped, it's like, oh. It's pretty hot. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, heat's coming up off the cylinders. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I... Get her in some armor. Get you in some armor. Um, <laughs> get back in armor. Get back in some damn armor. Speaking of no armor, last mm-hmm. picture. Ooh, last picture. This is a picture of a what the <laughs> hell. This appears to be a sports mascot in football armor riding on a V-Star. Uh-huh. He even has a tail. He's he's a bird. He's a bird with a tail yep. riding on a V-Star. Yep, and he's wearing his mascot head. I can't imagine he can see very well in that mascot head. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that seems off on a certain level, doesn't it? That seems horrible. Yeah. And I saw this. This isn't something a reader sent us. I followed this guy. Yeah, that's... um. He, he wasn't just, you know, nursing it along. No, he's cruising. He so was cruising. We'll we'll, uh, we'll put the picture up and you can um, enjoy it for yourself. Yeah, he made me feel better about riding my baseball jersey. <laughs> we only have one classified this week. Mm-hmm. This is a Buell that allegedly traveled the country with Eric Buell. What? Really? This is the 1998 Buell Cyclone. It's been signed by Godsmack. It traveled the country with Eric Buell and the band. Wait, Eric Buell's band or the band Godsmack? The band. Okay. Only 4,179 miles, which means it's been sitting in my side yard all the... No, he didn't say that part. <laughs> but it's definitely been in his side yard all this time. At a 98? Yeah. It has race exhaust. Custom-made muffler. Uh, uh, that looks horrible. Those two don't... That looks, like a, that looks like a coffee can that he painted silver. That looks horrible. Carbs have been rejetted, one would hope. Custom air cleaner. Custom-made bars. Custom mirrors. This all looks like stuff that he made in his garage. Yeah, that looks hammer looks and like sheet metal. beer cans. Yeah. Uh, aftermarket tack. Okay. The windshield, which is currently off the bike, all caps, has been signed by Godsmack. Oh, there you go. Best wishes. So that's what it is. It's not that the bike's been traveling with Godsmack. <laughs> the, windshield. the windshield has. The wind this screen. is the windshield that they inexplicably carry around with them. The windscreen. Windscreen. That little piece that goes on mm-hmm. the front. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It covers your speedometer. It comes with all the original parts, except for the stock mirrors. Okay. Fuck those things. It has a one-up tail section. What? Uh, green and spotty and gives you an extra life? I don't know. What's a one-up tail section supposed to mean? Uh, I think it means it gives you an extra life. All I mean, right. it looks like it's a seat. Yeah, that, that's what it looks like to me, too. Hmm. Has a custom two-up painted-to-match tail section. What? Uh, which one is it? Do you get both? Is that what you say? Maybe there's two tails. It's oh. a bike with two butts. Okay. Does the other butt come in a box? Do you think? Comes with tons of spare parts, like spare butt, stock parts, new parts, magazines, owners and shop manuals. <laughs> Playboy. Wait, wait. Let me let me play that one back. 
comes with tons of spare parts, stock parts, new parts, magazines, owners, and shop manuals, and articles about the bike. I don't want the owners. <laughs> I don't want to feed them. I'm going to clothe them. I want to buy the owners with the bike. Well, look at this thing. The owner's obviously a D-bag. What if the owner's Godsmack? What if the owner's Eric? Then this is a deal. Come and get it. He only wants five grand for Eric Buell. Mm-hmm. And all the other previous owners. We could keep them in the closet. Maybe it's like you get Eric Buell, but you also get a bunch of the previous owners. We don't have to feed them. <laughs> hey, guys! Guys! I'm really you hungry. Bought the, you bought the bag, guys! I'm hungry! Hey! The bucket is full of pee! Do you, <laughs> do you like my custom air cleaner? Help! <laughs> okay, that doesn't seem like a very good deal. <laughs> okay. Mm. And with that, let's go into our interview. All right. With a guy who rides places. Okay, so our uh, guest for tonight is yet another close personal friend of mine. Oh, God, here we go. I'm sure he hasn't forgotten me at all in the five months since he's met me once. You're a memorable sort of guy. I'm smelly. You were the one who was crazy enough to be on a Versus at Overland Expo. Yeah. I mean, you can't go on dirt roads with that thing. It's got a radiator in the front. I know, I know. It wouldn't make it. But we got Bill Dwyer, the writer of Anxiety Across the Americas, one man's 20,000-mile motorcycle journey. Reading the jacket copy, it says, uh, Growing weary of his corporate cubicle in the American Southwest, Bill Dwyer checks it all and rides his motorcycles toward Yushenia, Yushaya, Yeshoa, Argentina, the southernmost city in the world, to find hookers and blow. And his 20,000 mile for journey, he counters a lot of corruption. So, yeah, Bill, hi, thanks for joining us. Let me, um, let me pour myself another drink before we start. Did you hear that? America! That's awesome. Thanks for having me, Chuck. Oh, and Todd. Yep. And Todd. Uh, I'm feeling really forgotten today. I'm sorry, you are? <laughs> Ooh, that's the title for this week's show, and Todd. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Bill, you, you're another one of these people who packs it on and gets on a bike and goes that way. Which way are you going? Uh, why? Let's start there. Let's start with who you are and why. Not why you are. We figured that part out. Sure. Um, Mommy and Daddy love each other very much. Todd gave me that that talk. Ah, I see. Well, I started riding motorcycles about seven years ago, and I got bit by the travel bug, and um, day trips turned into weekend trips and then week-long trips, and suddenly I'm reading about other travelers that are that are riding across great continents, and it really inspired me to go off and do it myself. So that's uh, pretty much what brought me to, to uh, kind of chucking it all and, and wanting to travel throughout Central and South America. So now uh, I, Lois Price and Simon were, you know, two uh, influential writers that, uh, you know, influenced me that to go ahead and do it and think that it was within my grasp. So now I gotta ask, cause, cause you said you read a lot about it, and we, we've had a lot of feedback from folks where they read a lot about it, and then they go out and do it, and they feel like they've already done it before. Did you get that at all, or did you read a sufficiently small amount that it was all new and scary and exciting? Yeah, did you do a lot of research on ADD, reading ride reports and such? Mm-hmm. About bacon and things? Bacon. Um, no. I, I, I mean, I did read a, a lot. 
I mean, perhaps not as much as others, but I didn't feel like the experience was somehow uh, familiar to me while I was on the road and that my reading and research had somehow spoiled it for me. I, I didn't get that impression. It was very much an adventure and a life-altering experience for me. What brought you to alter your life in, in such a big way? Bookers and Blow notwithstanding. Right. Right, right. So w- what about the trip? Was well, so uh, life-changing? Well, I mean, like, where do you, where'd you start? You were some dude working. Yeah. And wh- where are the beginnings? Well, well, I was in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, and uh, I was a software developer. Still am right now. And I was just kind of getting bored with life. Life was really too easy. I was able to kind of pay all my bills, and things weren't as interesting to me. And so I was always looking for a new challenge, and this happened to be a challenge that I think that I stumbled upon and thought, boy, I'd like to ride my motorcycle from Arizona to Argentina. And so I put more thought into it and started reading other people that did it, and this kind of crazy idea um, started to sound more plausible than, than a lot of people would lead me to believe. So I guess I gotta ask. So you started as a software developer. You're still a software developer today. Uh, how'd you come out the other side of this trip different? I mean, what what did it change about you, apart from your sweet tan? With my Irish skin, and I just burn and then peel, so I just don't didn't really tan much. But it, I gained a lot of confidence in myself, mm-hmm. and uh, it was I, I'd always kind of dealt with anxiety, um, kind of general anxiety disorder I, I had, and and um, I was always kind of coming up with scenarios in my mind of how things can go wrong. Mm. And and so going through this trip, it was kind of like an exposure therapy for me in that I threw myself out into the world, especially in situations where a lot of people thought, geez, a lot of things can go wrong for you. And from that, I learned that, you know, what things work out in the end. And, and I also approached the world with a very guarded stance. I grew up in Chicago, and so there was... There's a lot of crime in that city, and, and there's there's a certain way that people carry themselves, and um, with, which I grew up in and adopted, is to, to kind of check your blind spots, things like that, and you know look see who's around you. And so so I, I had that kind of paranoid American attitude about me. And after exposing myself to you know 15 different continents over about eight months uh, without feeling in danger at any point. I um I guess the the most the greatest change that in me was being more comfortable uh, with the world and with my surroundings um, and just being more at peace with it. Maybe with yourself a little bit sounds like. Yeah, and and with myself as well. Yeah. So you met, you mentioned anxiety disorder. What what what's, uh, flavor and what were your triggers that you were facing on this trip? Um. Well, uh, I was uh, diagnosed with a general anxiety disorder, and uh, some of the triggers are. You know, social situations, you know, parties, I would be the guy who was always observing, very introverted and um, always kind of thinking about the right, quote, right things to say and, mm. um, you know, th- things like that and, and just kind of overthinking life a, a little too much mm-hmm. um, in, in ways that, that needn't be. Kind of that fear of you'll say the wrong thing and then you'll be stuck at this party until you can leave and everyone's going to be looking at you and judge. This isn't the least bit familiar to me, incidentally. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I, I suffer from panic disorder uh, myself, okay. so I, I'm curious about your okay. ways of, of dealing with it. So anxiety was sure. people and went out, and so did you go out of your way to talk to people? I mean, tell us about how the exposure kind of worked for you. How did it change you? Well, being a guy on a motorcycle 
in the middle of some town where I'm clearly not supposed to be naturally invites other people to approach me. In the kind of reverse way, um, I was able to, I guess, socialize and, and interact with people in ways that I wouldn't normally uh, provoke on my own. And so these social situations came up. Um, and after a while, I, I became less thoughtful about judging me and, you know, self-conscious about my actions and how I would appear because, you know, I'm a gringo in the middle of, of Latin America and eyes, you know, everyone's eyes are on me and that, that's just a fact for most of the part because, you know, I'm a stranger in a strange land. Um, and so being exposed to that after a certain amount of time, you just get used to it and suddenly it's not, it wasn't an issue for me and it's something I kind of brought back with me when I got back to, to the States. And in addition to being a stranger in a strange land, let's face it, you're a red-haired gringo with a beard on a motorcycle. You're a sideshow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And so it's definitely right for, you know, I, I'm, I'm entertainment for people. And so people will come up and, and and ask, like, you know, the most common question is, you know, where are you from? Where are you going? And, and then, you know, I tell people the story and um, it's it gets little arduous sometimes telling that story over and over, but it was nonetheless fun to connect with people. What were the uh, the language barriers like for you? Were there any language barriers? Um, there were a lot of language barriers. I, I procrastinate a lot, and so I did not learn any Spanish before I left. I crossed into Mexico knowing only a handful of phrases, and the, for the first month I was um, largely pointing and um, mimicking you know, making, making all these weird noises. And and luckily, there's only three things I needed, which was, you know, food, sleep, and... Boom, boom. And gas. <laughs> and gasoline. Hookers and blow. <laughs> four things. Yes, four things. Wait, pause. <laughs> the hookers and blow come as a unit. Yeah, it's a combo down there. They package them up and... You know, it's a happy meal. <laughs> so so did right. you, I, I got to ask, did you... Did you discover the hookup of going to the uh, the hooker palaces to stay for the night where the guards will watch over your bike? Um, I did not. No. Uh, that we got that from Ben, right? Yeah, ben we got that from Ben Slavin. He said yeah. those are the those yeah. are the places you stay because they've got these big beefy guys who are looking out for everybody. Bill's totally like you guys are full of it. <laughs> You're just trying to get me in there, and there'll be hookers and blo- wait a minute. That's um, the plausible excuse. <laughs> Deny it. Right, right. I totally was there for the protection. The parking protection was Protection of other sorts, yes. <laughs> parking was awesome. And the food's really good, too. I parked several times that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So how many countries did you say you hit? I was about 15, I believe, yeah. What's the most memorable one? I like to split it up between Central America. I really like Guatemala for the kind of lack of development there and just just how raw the the culture was. You know, I don't, I don't like to say that's like primitive because, you know, they're not. But um, but it's really kind of like a t- time warp into uh, another way of life that really left a, a big memory for me when um when I was traveling through there in the back roads. In fact, there was a, um, I was trying to get off the main roads and just get a more, quote, authentic experience. And and, uh, and so I just picked this one road. And after three hours of traveling, I had gotten lost. And I asked this guy for directions. And this was after I had spent two weeks uh, t- taking Spanish lessons. And so my Spanish, my conversational Spanish was, was pretty good. And I was 
I was looking forward to, to flexing it and, and trying it out. And I was talking to this one guy, and I couldn't understand anything he said, but I was recording the whole thing. And when I uploaded it on YouTube later, this this one student said he was actually speaking like a dead mind language, which um, which I happened to be studying. And he basically translated what the guy was saying, but there's you know there's certain languages in Guatemala that are spoken which are not are you know, dying languages, which gives you a sense for how um, how kind of uh, remote and old of uh, culture it is that's still preserved. How were you picking your route each day? It was a combination of just heading south and hitting up any attractions or um, places that I wanted to check out along the way. So it's, um, you know, I liked trying to get off the main road because that's often less interesting. If I saw the road on the map that, that looked interesting with a lot of squigglies, I would um, I would head down there and if there was something that I heard that was worth checking out, like in Guatemala, in particular, uh, Tikal National Park, mm. with all the Mayan uh, pyramids, then, then I would head that way. But I never planned more than a week in advance or two weeks in advance. I kind of just uh, played it by ear. What, what did you ride? What was your bike? I had a KLR650. It was a 2001 with about 20,000 miles on it already. And... Um, yeah, it was great. Put it through a lot of crap, and it uh, it always kept going. Was there any time on the trip where you were like, you know, bag this, I'm I'm going back? Well, there were a couple times where I thought that there was a time in Bolivia when I had a kind of a bad crash. I was I was okay aside from like my ankle and knee and hand, but um, <laughs> skull and also and right on your heel, my lower intestine. <laughs> Right. Um, I, um, I ended up going on this, uh, on this road and I was getting a little cocky and I was going faster than I should have been and the road dipped and my, my bike caught some air and, and the front pretty much bottomed out and, and the bike, uh, hit a rock on the crankcase and the, um, the oil was just hemorrhaging from my crankcase and I thought this is, this is it. Trip over. So I waited on the side of the road for about 10 hours until a truck came by that could carry me to the, the nearest town. And I got there, and this guy, Chino, I'll never forget his name, he, uh, he was a very quiet and stoic man. He, he looked at it, and there's about this three-inch crack in my crankcase. You know, I'm wondering whether or not he can repair it, and he, he says, he just gives a little nod and says, okay. Eight hours later, after welding it like hell, he he made it seal back again, and um, and I was off on my way. And he charged me he charged me twenty bucks for it too. Gave him more than that. Robbery. That's like half a KLR's <laughs> value, man. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It's right. a KLR now. <laughs> hmm. So this bike itself kind of made you thinking you should turn back. There wasn't was there a moment when you were like facing sort of your own personal hurdle going through this. Um, yeah, and kind of a spoiler alert, if I could talk about um, how I wanted to turn back, but it may spoil some of the ending of my book, so I don't... Buy the book. Everybody buy the book. Okay, now plug your ears if you don't want a spoiler for a minute. Okay, if you don't want, if you don't want to hear, then um, the one time, the one and only time that I thought, well, geez, do I want to continue going, was um, when I was... I was in Patagonia and I was on route to 40 and they had recently paved, I'm sorry, they didn't 
phase of the road, but they had recently thrown a lot of rock um, on the road and, and dirt to kind of grade it because it, it had gotten into such bad condition. And so for a long time, a couple of days, I was kind of battling this really soft, half a foot deep slurry of powder, dust, and fist-sized rocks. And I was pretty much riding within the within the uh, the trails that trucks would establish, you know, from their weight. And three weeks earlier, my left luggage rack had given way, and so my Pelican case is on my rear rack. And my bike is is lopsided, and so for three weeks, for three weeks I had been counteracting this lopsidedness by by counter steering it. And as I'm going down this road, and um, I've got like little time to, I've got only so much time and money to make it to Ushuaia, and I'm so dead set on just making it there. I'm about a thousand miles away, and my right luggage case gives way underneath all the the jiggling. Um, of that road, and suddenly my corrective steering is no longer correct, and I veer out of the safe ruts that the trucks have made, and I take a dive at like 40 miles per hour um, into all this mush, and and I was you know a little beaten up, but I'm fine, and I just prayed that that bike wouldn't start up again, <laughs> but it did. <laughs> Just die. Just die. I'm so sick of you, you (laughs) Exactly. Just give me an excuse to go home. Mm. And and so... I used to light you on fire and walk away and (laughs) (laughs) I'd never do that to Jenny. Jenny? Um, Yeah, but what about the bike? Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) I actually named my bike Jenny. An English name. Probably calls his bike Jenny. What you should have done is if you needed to light it on fire and walk away in slow motion, just call your cat. They'll do it. They don't care. (laughs) Ruthless creatures. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so of course, it started up, much to your chagrin. Yeah, it started up. Why? Damn it. And I thought, you know, what what am I doing? I've been, like, pushing myself for a week of just making it to Ushuaia, this arbitrary goal that I had set out for, you know, really two years ago is when I started the planning. I'm like, I want to go to Ushuaia in the southernmost point of of Argentina, and I realized I was putting myself through all this hell and, and really kind of endangering myself by making such an arduous pace that I decided it wasn't worth it. Like, I already I already had my journey, and I already got all those great experiences from it. I, I really feel like it was very similar to that scene in Forrest Gump after he's, like, running for two years, and he's in the desert, and he just stops, and all those people behind him are following him, and he says... Okay, I think I'll go home now. And like that, I turned around. The next day I sold my motorcycle to a guy at a gas station, and I took a bus to Buenos Aires and flew home. Hmm. Huh. It's, it's, it's different from the usual, and then I bucked up and, and, and <laughs> tough-guided out because I hadn't been tough-guying for, you know, 10,000 miles. Just yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. And I, I realized that I was just... This was all just a little uh, masturbatory. <laughs> it was just, I was killing myself to make it to this place just so I could say that I made it there, which I just realized was bullshit and I didn't really care about it anymore. And so that's what, that's why I turned around. So what do you, what do you feel are your personal accomplishments? Hmm. I mean, what, what matters to you? I mean, you could say I, I did all these countries. I was on the road for so much. What, yeah. what are you what are you holding is is that your is that your gold cup or is there something else that you know 
something you've you've grown in some way, something you feel is a personal achievement? You know, I, I think it's uh, kind of internal personal growth that I kind of take away as the main reward from this journey. Like, I, yes, I did see a lot of great things. I met a lot of amazing people, had, had great experiences, but I think that the way in which those things shaped me as a person how I continue on from those is is what I cherish most. And it's it's hard to put that in words, but I do in my book called Anxiety Across the Americas. One Man's Journey, 20,000, available now from Amazon.com. Preferably through the Real News link. Go through the show notes. That's cool, though, because, I mean, it's certainly the, the... It's different from the usual thing you hear from a lot of these trips. I mean, quite honestly, a lot of them you hear almost a braggadocio kind of thing, like, I made it, and I got here, and and I I stood for the cameras, and, you know. Yeah. yeah. Versus, you know what, I took a trip, and I feel like I'm a better person for it. You reached a point where I'm like, you know what, this is, I've accomplished. Go me. Yeah. Did you run into a lot of other adventure riders on this trip? Like, you know, people who go to Alaska, they talk nonstop about how it's almost a train of, of riders going back and forth. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, I hear that a lot, but, but I don't know if it was the, the routes that I took or I don't know if it's just my kind of loner-ish demeanor. I didn't spend a single day riding with anyone else. You know, paths did cross here and there, but it was no more than you know, beers in the back of a hostel and just kind of exchanging war stories. And then... I, I think um, you meant to then, say brothel. Yes, that, right. That's brothel. the proper that's word. The term. Yeah. Hostel is where hostel, Europeans kill America. Mm. That's right. That's right. Hostels, um, no, it's, it's Spanish for, for brothel. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> um, so, so, no, I didn't... Um, I know some other writers kind of talk about how many people they see, but, you know, I kind of give a wave and some people stop and I didn't always stop because I was just, I like traveling alone and I think going with someone else can kind of potentially spoil that experience or make it richer. It depends on the person. But for me, I, I was very much adamant about doing it on my own. I am. Software developer. Totally am. Yep, right. You guys, you guys had a great idea for a way we can optimize you. And then, and then my, my instinct when I hear that is just like, get to work, damn it. So Todd's a PM and I'm a sysadmin, so. Uh, I, I really, I really do think that's cool because you don't hear much of that. People talk so much about, I did this. I'm Mr. Adventure. Yes. I, I, uh, I see Bill, Bill is the least standing on a mound wearing a cape guy we've talked to, I think, so far. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> Bill uh, presents as such a diametric opposed person to someone like Austin who's, you know, I need the open face helmet so people can see me and mm-hmm. I'm making friends everywhere I go and mm-hmm. look! Overalls, coveralls, they're really cool, and you know this. And it sounds more like Bill's like, no, hey. I'm just, I'm just doing this thing. This is my thing. Leave me the hell alone while I'm doing this thing. <laughs> um, when it comes to like other riders, like yeah, I don't, I really, really don't want to share an experience with another American or another rider. Like it's, it's like I, I just don't, I don't give a shit about that. It's like if I want to, like we could do this. Back on ADV rider or whatever, but you know, like I don't, because I, because I, I really wanted to put myself in another place physically and mentally. And suddenly when you're speaking with 
someone else who, I don't know, has a 401k account or shops at Walmart and has has the same cultural context as you, it really kind of psychically distorts your reality and I think brings you back into that place where you were, which I wanted to get as far away from as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You feel like it, it's kind of pulling you out of the experience, kind of maybe cheapens it a little for you? Ab- yes, absolutely. So what's happened now that you, you've come back to that world? So you're back. You have your poor, you're yeah. paid as much as you can <laughs> to get your free matching. <laughs> if you're not, you should be. Um, well, it's, I mean, you've got Kitty. So, you know, that's I do. I, I mean, I've had these cats for 12 years. So luckily, a friend watched them while I was gone and came back to my two cats. And were, I Were you tempted I, at all to try to sneak them across the border and take them with you? You know, I probably could get away with, with bringing one of them because he's, he's got a, kind of a new personality, but one of them would just uh, meow bloody murder the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, when I got back, the reverse culture shock was greater than the original culture shock. It was, Bill, it was, you can't just pee in the office. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I I got a lot of that. And I'm sorry, but Sandy in HR is not a hooker. <laughs> I apologize, Sandy. You know, just <laughs> she was wearing a skirt. You know, it was an automatic reflex reaction. Luckily, I built up an immunity to it after so much <laughs> being maced so much that you know all that all that hot hot food in Mexico. If it's getting maced now on his food now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sauce is not good enough anymore. Nope. But I remember when I flew back into, let's see, I flew back into Phoenix Airport, and when I entered the airport, um, you know, Phoenix, the cultural epicenter of the U.S., I saw everyone's faces just glued to their phones. And this was back in March of 2011. You know, that's two and a half years ago or so. And I saw everyone's faces on their phones, and I'm like, shit, that was me. I'm like, that that was me. I was, like, just glued to my phone, and I had kind of aversion to technology as a software developer. <laughs> and <laughs> because of what it turned me into. And so I, I just had a flip phone, you know, one of those old Nokia flip phones for a good year, year and a half. And I really tried to keep myself in check as to how much energy I expended on technology and all the things that I used to care about, which, you know, I think ultimately put me in a bad mental place or unhappy place. So you're saying so, you weren't checking slash dot six times a day? No. <laughs> I threw out my Google Reader and um, I adopted it maybe couple of year, uh, year and a half later or so, but I stopped checking all my RSS feeds uh, obsessively because I might miss something. And yeah, I just, I just kind of treated every day as instead of, I tried to break the habits of my previous Western life and, and be very cognizant of what habits I did fall into. Did you find like it was trying to suck you back in though? I mean, are there, are there cultural norms you weren't conforming to that people were sort of looking askance at you about? I mean, as a software developer, when, when you walk into, when you check your phone on a flip phone, like, that's, people are like, what the shit is this guy doing? <laughs> 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 and, and, yeah, and I had, I had to explain to people, I'm like, no, I want this. Like, I can afford an iPhone, but it's the same, you know, the same reason why I don't have a television is because I love it so much. Like, I love the shit out of television. And I love it so much that it makes me a horrible person because I just sit there 
and turn and just turn into a horrible person hour by hour by just looking at looking watching the the Hitler channel, aka the History Channel, you know, the same show about Hitler for the seventh time. You know, I can tell um, Bill is really out of it because the History Channel is now like the reality show Duck Dynasty. Is it? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's gone way downhill, man. Is it? (laughs) Now when they do stuff about Hitler, people rejoice. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I am totally out of it, and I I really did. um, I used to be very adamant about being an informed citizen and keeping keeping up on the news and I think it's important to know what's going on country and the world and I was just kind of looking at even media outlets that were respectable and thinking like well like what does it matter if I know about this like I, I'm not doing shit about it so it's it's just kind of like gossip so I really did kind of cut myself off a little bit from from that probably in to an extreme but uh, yeah that was kind of my, my reaction back okay well Two years later, where are you now? Good question. I I'm in Portland now, um, <laughs> and that's not what I meant. <laughs> but thanks. Now I know um, where to go to punch you in the face. All right. Yes. I becoming more at peace with uh, Western society. You know, <laughs> I I did have a little bit of a re- of a revolt against it because after being kind of off the grid, so to speak, for so long. It was very enriching for me, and so I wanted to maintain that in the most black and white kind of way. But now I've realized that, you know, there are things that, that aren't all bad about it, and, and I've taken more of a nuanced approach to it, and watching a TV show is okay. I had a lot of judgment about, I guess, Western society that I kind of put to the wayside, and um, at least, well, American society, I suppose, and some of the habits that I fell into, which I thought were unhealthy and um yeah i guess i'm i'm striking a balance with with that uh, more days so it's like when you got back the pendulum kind of swung the other way huh correct yes yeah it's a great way of putting it the resistance you feel is all yourself <laughs> you need to do yes. more <laughs> um let's talk about the book real quick there's a million books out there that are all about exactly. i went here blah 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 and i did stuff and right. I, yeah 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 what made you feel like there need to be another one, or is yours something different? Sure. Yeah, why isn't mine just like everybody else's? That's and why isn't question. it an audio book? It's coming. It's coming. Yes, I'll just, that's all I'll say is it's coming. The cats are busy. They are. Yes. There's a, uh, there's a meow cast that is going to be coming out as well. I'm very optimistic about it. Some claws up. This show brought to you by Ketchup. Well, the um, the I didn't want to make the book about what I saw and what I did, but also uh, what I was going through mentally because it is very much a personal story about what was going on through my head and how my relationship with the world and um, what was changing over time. And how I was kind of battling anxiety and depression and, um, you know, among all these whirlwind of experiences and forces at play as I was traveling, you know, how did I come to deal with those things? And even if there was no one else who read the book, I would still feel great about finishing it because it gave me an insight into 
what had happened to me over those, you know, eight months or so, because I, I never had time to really stop and pause and look at what was what had happened on the road because I was too busy experiencing it. And so I I did not set out on this trip thinking, boy, I'm going to write a book and write the next American novel um, after this. Uh, I, I took notes along the way because my memory shit, and I knew that I wouldn't remember anything if I didn't write it down. And sure enough, as I was, like, reviewing notes, I'm like, I would have completely forgotten about that guy's existence if I didn't write it down. And And so it was... It was very much a kind of a reflection on the trip for me personally, and, um, and then just a trying to put that experience into words, both on a physical level of how the journey went and alongside of a, a mental journey with it. So, so the book is for Bill. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, then you're obviously not Bill enough. And again, that's Anxiety Across the Americas, One Man's 20,000-Mile Motorcycle Journey, available through a reference link on wheelnerds.com to Amazon. That's right. Bye now. Crash consumerism. Welcome back to the state. <laughs> yes. Yes. Limited supplies. I don't think Amazon may be dead. I think they're only cranking out a couple hundred thousand of these, so get get them while supplies last. Is this a print-on-demand book, or is it a... Uh... It's, it's a totally print-on-demand book, yeah. Okay. Because one thing I've seen, uh, and this is just totally an aside, um, from the, the Kook Society stuff I, I listen to, is a lot of authors will get copies of the book and then offer it personally for sale through a website mm. with, and they'll be like, but, and it'll be autographed or there'll be a personal note or, mm-hmm. you know, this, this skin sample I took from a hooker in Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I was all about doing that, um, initially. And I'm out of skin. I did, you know? And I had a lot of skin. I mean, it wasn't a shortage of, resp- of supply. It was, I mean, one of my pelican cases. <laughs> skin case. All it was. It was tied on. Yeah. Um, but no, I just, I had really, um, I might start doing that or offering that, but after, it took me about two years to complete the book, and I'm not a career writer by any means. And so it was a uh, it was a very difficult task for me. And and so after I got it done, I just said, okay, it's done, it's out there. I need some space between me and it. And uh, it's been about I don't know four or five months now. And yeah, I'm starting to feel like I'm not the guy who did that thing two years ago. Like you've got the guy who always goes through life thinking about the big game and football and high school football. And like I don't want to be the guy always reliving this. It's one great experience or set of experiences, and so I, I'm just kind of putting that chapter of my life to close. All right, so so I got to ask then, what's next? Well, for the next couple of years, you know, I really do want to just take it easy. But having said that, I'm sure I'm going to get antsy it in a couple of years, and my sights are set on kind of a London to Southeast Asia or Australia, if I could stretch it over the course of a year on a XT250 that I've uh, that I've already got, which is going to be prematurely outfitting and riding into trees and trails around here in Oregon so I can put it through crap and figure out how to put it back together. So I, I like to go around the trees myself, but, you know, whatever works. Yeah, no, it's just that's, that's the easy way out. <laughs> you pussy. <laughs> All right, so... Damn, that's quite a goal. 
So, Bill, thanks so much for being on with us tonight. Make sure you check out Bill's book, Anxiety Across the Americas, One Man's 20,000-Mile Motorcycle Journey. Insert crass consumerism here. Link through wheelers.com. Bill, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. Cool. All right. So we're done, right? Show's done. We're done. We can yep. go. Yeah. We've, officially, right. we've officially done all the guys. We've done everything everywhere. Screw you guys. <laughs> yes. Wheel Nerds will be ending after this episode because now we have done all the guys who have ridden a bike places. Go what? us. We what? We what? Every single person who has ever ridden a bike someplace, we, we have interviewed. We oh, interviewed. Okay. We're oh. done. <laughs> you were saying we we've done guys. And all the attractive women we've done. Uh, no, well, not really. Lois. No. We interviewed Lois. Yeah. I interviewed Lois. You interviewed Lois. You did it. Which is really makes me sad to this day. <laughs> Exciting things coming up though, Chuck. The Ural Rally. Two weekends from now. We both have Urals. September 7th and we have Urals. <laughs> I'll have my daughter that weekend. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, I got to get on Kinder White Rider tonight and see what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Kinder yeah. Jacket. Yeah. Cause you get, you get points for a human monkey and you get more points for a dog monkey. Um, I'm I probably think, going with a dog monkey unless my brother's off work. And that I think I can fit monkey. both. Fargo uh, was really happy in that. Day. In fairness, both your daughter and your dog are very small. Yeah. And Fargo was really happy in that tub. Even better. He didn't want to get out. Ah, okay. Well. Jersey couldn't wait to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Did a little loop around the neighborhood mm-hmm. with all three of them in there. Mm-hmm. Fargo and Sophie were happy. Happy as clams, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I wonder if you get double points for that. Yes. Okay. We'll roll with it. Do you have us going by the dealership? Because that'll pick us up points. Yeah, I do have okay. us going by the dealership. Yep. I've, I've made a map where you go by the dealership, the state house, there's a tank up by the U, and then we can go into immigration and go up from there. We get some bonus points for the dirt road, plus there's a river there I can get Daisy into to take a swim, because she'll be hot by then. Okay. Fargo can swim, too, if he can be in water. I think the water might be more than three inches deep, so Fargo might have to sink. I'm not sure how Fargo feels about water, to be honest. We'll toss him in and find out. <laughs> <laughs> so I handle like him ride around in the Ural. Huh? I'm you talking. liking the Ural? Yes, I'm loving the Ural. It's a great ride. That thing, uh, you need to ride it because I'm curious to get your impressions about the power. Uh, I definitely am, am curious it to feels, ride it. It feels, I want to say it feels a little bit more peppy than yours. Hmm. But that, okay. I haven't ridden it in years for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at least a year. It wouldn't surprise me if it was. Um, it's been great. I've been taking it on the freeway. The speedometer is, is funny. Oh, you like that? You like the, the wobbling speedometer? Yeah. The trick is to just, when it wobbles up and down, you just pick the point in the middle, and that's about how fast you're going. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's one of those things they do. <laughs> they do that. Uh, the gear shifts have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should sound like an industrial washing machine humping a blender. If either of those turns into a lathe, then you have a problem. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. There's been points where I've like, because even R said when I bought the thing, he's like, "Don't finesse it. You, you've got to." No, be, there's no finesse. You, and so, and there's been a couple times where I hit it, and it feels like even though I'm in third, it found neutral. Somehow. Secret neutral. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the club. You're now you're alone. Or high five. Yay. Well done. Okay, secret neutrals. Yes, there are secret neutrals everywhere. Okay, the no, Ural, that's normal. The Ural transmission is a crash box. So the Versus, the Strom, anything made in the last couple of decades has some synchro mesh that makes it easier for the gears to go together and line up at the same speed. Okay. So that's why they don't grind much even when they grind. They kind of go, 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Ural has two gears spinning wildly at different speeds. And you hope to catch them? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I need to bash them together and hope they get there at the same speed. <laughs> that's, that's a crash box transmission. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, that's left why. turns are fun as hell. Left turns are fun as hell. Right turns are kind of scary. Right turns are kind of scary. Now, the interesting thing about that, you bring that up, and you asked me earlier today, the technique mm-hmm. for a right turn, is it just a slow way down and lean? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And if your if your sidecar is empty, slow way down and lean a lot. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like like getting out of seat and uh-huh. kind of straddling yep. that bar. Now, now you see why I do that. Yeah. yeah. People are like, "Wow, you really are riding the hell out of that thing. Why are you so tired?" <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the funny thing about it is the left turn where is actually the most dangerous one. If you bury the nose of the sidecar. And it flips over, it lands on you. You know, it's the equivalent of a high side, basically, for a sidecar. Okay. The thing about it is a two-wheel drive, you're a sidecar so damn high, it's almost impossible to do that. Yeah, it feels like every time I'm just drifting through the corner when I do it. Yeah, exactly. Your side forces turn into skidding forces before that happens. On the right side, conversely, your sidecar is so light and the bike has such a high center of gravity because it's so tall, <laughs> that thing just pops right off. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you see how your engine guard on the left side is doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. There might be some scratches. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so you, you have to get some weight out there. Mm-hmm. The, the interesting thing is the drift thing. You can induce a little drift by using just a tiny bit of front brake as you enter the beginning of your turn sequence. Um, basically, you make the front end go slower than the back, causing the back end to break loose. If you do it right, that side force turns into skidding force around a right corner, too. It's okay. much harder. Okay. Um, but you can do it. If you Sounds have a monkey like in there... Yeah. Much, much easier. Way easier. You yeah. can rail with a monkey in there. Well, my monkey right now is 30 pounds. Uh, <laughs> you got several of those. Monkeys, you can, I mean, you know, you heard me say it when you get in the sidecar. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this thing handles so much better. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's all about. I, I did my weekly grocery run in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you get ejected so quickly in the sidecar. Furniture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sophie. Yeah. Christmas trees. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, snowblowers. snowblowers yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's been great. It's, I'll be interested to see how long until you're as bad as I am where you're just addicted to it and you look at everything and you're like, where the heck the hell you? <laughs> <laughs> <be> really useful. <laughs> oh, it is a lot of fun. I'm glad I bought it. It was, uh, cool. I mean, I'm, I've been talking all year about getting a sport bike, but mm-hmm. I'm glad I bought that thing. That was, the Ural's sport E? Sport. I'm looking at you funny. Uh, it, um, you can put skis in it. <laughs> it's after our sports team. I could put a sled in it. I could put a toboggan in it. You could put a Honda Grom in it. Uh, more than one. Probably, yes. So my, my, uh, my boss, Dale. Yeah. We've had on the show. Yep. He got the Grom, singular. Just one? That came to Utah. Just one came to the state? Yeah. That's the supply of these things. Now, is that because of the demand, or is that just like, they're like, a little not above. sure. Small supply and a huge demand. All right. Um, so he's got the Grom, singular. Um, he loves it. He loves it so much, he's been, you know, he's got this box of parts to hop it up. Because the Grom has been around under a different name in the rest of the world for years. Mm-hmm. So he's got all these parts to hop it up with, and he's all excited. He's going to go out and read it, ride it. And, and then it, his daughter swept it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the Grom. What does she think of it? She thinks it's rad too. <laughs> he says he came outside and there's a DFL in his driveway and the Grom's gone. And he's like, God damn it. 
<laughs> She's like cackling down the street. <laughs> exactly. So look for look for reviews of the Grom whenever I can go and steal it. Uh, hopefully soon. Yeah. Okay. All right, we got some listener mail. We have real mail. Look, real. physical mail. Physical mail. Oh boy. Yep. This piece. Oh, let's start with this one. It's uh, wow. It's pink with butterflies. With butterflies on it. Yeah. Wheel nerds. Okay. Okay. Um. Let's uh get that open here. Uh, yeah, we'll just uh, yeah. Oh, okay. It's uh it's got butterflies on the card too. That's really and, cute. And flowers. Inside it says Team Chuck with a heart on the exclamation point. And a lot of hearts around it. Yes. Sincerely, a real girl. No. Seriously, Chuck didn't pay me to do this. Promise. P.S. Don't kill any more bunnies, please. I, I can't make that promise. Well, I, you know, the, the, I don't have the bill anymore, so maybe I can make that promise. Mm-hmm. The, the verses doesn't Chuck, seem very... I just noticed something about this. What? Uh, it came from the Salt Lake City Post Office. Give me that. It, it came from, uh, yeah, you from don't Centerville. Need, you don't need that. Doesn't your girlfriend live in we... Centerville? <laughs> no. Uh, it's a setup. What? Do- doesn't matter. Still counts. Fair enough. We'll stick it on the wall. She's been in the Euro. One for the trophy case. Yeah. In more ways than one. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Uh, I need a shower. <laughs> we have another man. Oh, goody. Uh, Who's this one from? Let's see. Oh, look. It's got money. Oh, money. Five bucks. Oh, that's tacos. And there's a letter. Uh, oh, okay. This is a... Uh, this is an ad. Okay, this is our first sponsored ad. Mm-hmm. For $5, you too can have us say something on the air. This is from uh, Zach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he writes, I would like all the above info to be conveyed, but realistically, if I could get a shout-out and a link to the site, I'll be happy. What, were you expecting a full script? You and I both know that nobody believes scripted podcast advertising. Uh, Okay. So Zach, Zach wants you to check out his podcast, No the, E-M Podcast. No M. No M. Pronounce No M. Pronounce No M Podcast. No M Podcast.com. Facebook.com slash No M Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, no M Podcast at gmail.com. It's spelled N-O-E-M, then podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll put the links up on our show notes. Totally. Talk about motorcycles, cars, four-wheelers, video games, movies, and anime. Hey. Anime. Hey. Wait a second. Oh, well, here's five bucks. Yeah, we can buy some tacos. Mm. All right, Zach, there you go. Shout out. Hosts are Zach, Travis, and Austin. So another podcast about, you know, nerds and gears. Although, if I understand it, these I think these are Zach's friends who also have uh, boxes. Boxes of full bike of parts. <laughs> <laughs> boxes full of bike in the uh, back of their trucks. On that note, if you'd like to get in touch with us about sponsorships or ads or even just shout outs... Drop us an email at wheelnerds at gmail.com and, you know. We'll send you our rate sheet. Yeah. It's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. We like tacos. Mm, tacos. And now email. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got an email at Showy Helmets. Oh, okay. They're just pretty tight, especially if you're Todd. Uh, no. <laughs> I just bought a Showy Quest this season. It was extremely tight when I wore it around the house to test it. After putting up a couple hundred miles on it, I've adapted a bit to how tight it is, and it's loosened up a bit as well, making it a very snug, secure, but comfortable fit. You'll probably be really pleased with it and with the smaller cheek pads. I need to record an intro for you guys with my Triumph. The triple has a rather distinctive sound that I haven't heard in your intro yet. Yes, why haven't you? Jerk. Congratulations on the divorce. Thanks. Thanks for a very entertaining show. You're welcome. Mike. Whatever. I guess I should say hi to Todd, too. We know he gets jealous. 
high top. Happy face. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is my night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to the Chuck Show. <laughs> With Chuck. Well, last last week was the Ural Show of True. Todd and Era, so yeah, I feel good. Um, you know, the 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 cheek pads have made a big difference, mm-hmm. uh, but it's man, it's just it's tight getting off. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the lower end of it is smaller or something. No, or? just starting. Yeah, I guess. I it, it well with the pads in it, it's mm-hmm. smaller because I've taken the pads out completely and just kind of mm-hmm. threw it on my head to see if yeah where the show from? yeah it was fine. Um, just starting to get it off my head, kind of getting it around my cheekbone. Mm-hmm. That's tight. Mm. But it feels fine on my head. Hmm. Okay. Huh? And it's, it's not moving. Then it does its job. It's yeah. not like you, you know, this isn't like you're in torque and you need to take it off it, heroically every time you arrive somewhere without undoing the strap. Throw it at people? Yeah. Throw it at people to start fights. Take that, bro. Take that. Here's my $400 helmet I just hit you with. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> That's going to be expensive. And it fits with my earbuds. So. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, let's see. Our next one's from Kareem on Torque Wrenches. Mm. Hey, guys. On vacation this week and was going to be riding to and from. Friday night, went to perform the first oil change on my bike. And mm-hmm. after I was done, I went over to owner's manual to make sure I had my bases covered. Hmm. Manual said to torque the drain bolt to 31 foot pounds. Oh, God, I know this is going to end. And so I did. And the click I heard was not the torque wrench, but rather my oil uh, pan uh, cracking. Oh, I'm having flashbacks. I had the job done, had no leaks. And had I gone with my gut, I would have been fine. Oh, well, now to see if I can get a replacement under warranty. <laughs> yeah, so I... I- Ironically enough, this is exactly why the Strom leaks oil. Um, I, I did the exact same thing to the Strom. I put a torque wrench on it, and I'm like, I'm a good monkey. I'm going to use my torque wrench to get the right amount of torque. What, why is it loose? Tight, 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 tight. Loose. <laughs> yeah, so the torque wrench that you got at AutoZone, not as good a deal, it seemed like. My dad always taught me not to use a torque wrench. Really? Yeah, he didn't like them. Well, the, it, he had a bunch of them. Sure, sure. And I think they, they have their uses for specific stuff, things that are bigger and, you know, frankly, made of steel on both sides. It probably makes sense. In this case, what you're doing is you're putting a steel bolt into an aluminum block. Yeah. So over-tightening it will just shred the aluminum like yeah. it's not there Yeah. every time. Speaking of shredding and my divorce, mm-hmm. you know what happens to tungsten when you hit it really hard with a hammer? No. It shatters like glass. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's why they sold me that ring. It's because it's supposed to, uh, you know, it's supposed to uh, shatter if it gets stuck in an engine or something. Yeah. But yeah but or that, if you hit it with a hammer. The negative side of that with tungsten, mm-hmm. they can't cut it off your finger. Right, right. They just <laughs> hit it. And hopefully, yeah. Hold still. Clank. Ow! <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I'm, I have bad depth perception. I don't think they would hit it, though, in the hospital. No, no, they actually have a gadget they use for it. Really? Well, it's basically like a pair of clipper, kind of splitter clipper things. Would that work on tungsten? Oh, yeah, works great. Oh, and, and the, when I bought mine at the jewelers, they were like, yeah, there's, they won't be able to get it off you. No, they'll totally be able to get it off you. They just have things that apply enough force to make it shatter. Oh, okay. That's all. Well, a hammer does it. Yeah, I bet. Hammer does it real good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so if you're putting, the moral of the story is if you're putting your steel bolt into an aluminum block, it should be like wrist tight at the most. Yes, hand tight. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, don't don't go for the temptation of a little bit more. Maybe if I just tighten it more, it'll be extra secure. That's very seldom a good idea. 
Yeah, because you're not really going to leak that much oil if you're a little loose. No, but you will leak a lot if you strip it. <laughs> yeah. My garage floor tells a tale. <laughs> Your garage floor, that little baby floaty thing. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I used, I used the, the baby... The baby sponge from my daughter when she was a baby to catch oil. Those were great, by the way, and they only cost like five bucks at Baby's RS. You heard it here first. This one is shaped like a turtle. The one I'm going to replace it with is shaped like a ladybug. <laughs> what have you learned this week, Chuck? I've learned uh, what my next purchase will be at the uh, kit store. Mm-hmm. What have you learned? I've learned that I'm clearly the second banana on this show. Yay, me! Everybody likes me. I'm Chuck. We'll see you next week. If you listen to us on iTunes, please write a review for us so that we can get some more exposure and hits. Thanks. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.